Welcome to Sojourn Grace Collective, a progressive Christian church in San Diego, where our mission is to foster spiritual, social, and emotional wholeness. In our community, we affirm all that makes you, you. We celebrate your gender identities and sexual orientation, your race and your socioeconomic status, your physical abilities and your religious creeds. Here at Sojourn, it all belongs. This podcast is a replay of our Sunday morning teachings. We hope you find encouragement and inspiration as you make your way through this week. Visit us online at SojournGrace.com, where you can learn more about our faith community, discover resources to help you find wholeness in your life, and partner with us in our mission through tax-deductible contributions. Thank you for joining us today, and may you know above all else that you are a loved child of God. Full stop. Welcome to Sojourn. Should we start? Yes. All right. So last week, we introduced a new series called The Meaning in Movies. I don't know why I'm laughing. This I don't is know why fun. you're laughing either. It's weird. Recording it's awkward. Maybe We're sitting why. in our living room where we normally watch shows with our family in front of our TV and having to just try to... It's been so fun to do live services with yeah. you all where I'm still looking at the camera. I mean, at the screen. It's been so fun okay, to do. Funny. Isn't it funny? Right after we had that little tiff and then I'm like... <laughs> There's a anyway. Yeah, there's a screen to the right of y'all, and I keep looking at it instead of. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Anyway, we're killing it. As we, we I think at this point in the service, the service, the partially live, I, I was acknowledged already like messed up so many times. I'm like, this is harder. It's Why way is this harder. harder? Well, that's what I was going to explain. So we've loved doing live services with you all. It gives an energy. As leaders, it's really hard to just sit in a room by ourselves and yeah. talk to a camera. But knowing that you're out there in the comments and watching live with us is helpful. And right now with these two pre-recorded services we're doing, it's like I'm sitting in my living room. I'm talking to no one. I have to remember that you're still out there. Just not yet. Oh, it's weird. Anyway, so here we are. Last week, we announced our series, Meaning in Movies. We're just going to watch movies together and we um, are going to talk about spiritual growth and personal growth and health and wholeness, our mission, um, through the lens of these movies. So this week, hopefully you had a chance to rewatch or watch the first time, Frozen 2. Frozen. Frozen 2. And we have um, some guiding. Did you like it better or worse or the same as the first one? Better. Yeah. Which I think I'll address. Um or the reasons why I liked it better. Um, crap, what was I going to say? Oh, we created some questions just to help guide this whole what's spiritual growth and personal growth in movies. So um, let's just jump right in to Frozen Let's two. jump right in. First, we got stuff Yeah, to, first question that we created. Question number um, one. We laughed about it, how it can be triggering in our little Sojo community where we, you know, try to do this balance of old Christianity themes, but making sure they're more just and loving. And sometimes language can be really funny, right? So we just live into the awkwardness of it. One of our questions is, where did you see Christ in the film? But, yeah. and I do mean but this time instead of and, oh. I always correct myself, but well, sometimes a good but is often. needed. <laughs> <laughs> but when I'm asking, where did we see Christ? I am pointing to 
it's funny. I always give Richard Rohr credit for universal Christ because he's doing a lot of teaching on this idea lately, but actually all he's doing is taking very ancient teachings. Um, he's looking to the mystics and people who have been talking about this idea for centuries, and he's just kind of repackaging it for evangelical Christians, for Catholics, um, to kind of say, whoa, hold on. Jesus Christ is not one thing. Christ is one thing and Jesus is one thing. And so that Christ, that universal Christ idea is, um, you know, Roar says it's actually another name for everything, which I love. love um, and um, I have this quote that actually I'm going to share right now that I felt was very frozen to E um, oh, sweet. by Jackie Lewis, um, my favorite teacher and preacher Jackie. in the world. <clears throat> um so she says about the universal Christ and there's language in here that is exactly what I'm talking about. That makes us all go <laughs> because we're coming from our evangelical lens. So I encourage you to take that lens off for a moment. Just like you can even physically, sometimes I do that for myself because I'm a very physical being and you can just be like, okay, taking that lens off those glasses off. This is not evangelical Christianity. This is the mystics. This is ancient humans for all of time, having nothing to do with Christianity, even um, pointing to this thing in life, this universal thing. So Jackie says this, what if every human being is anointed, messiahed? What if every human being is Christ? What if the most fundamental aspect of our identity is that we are each anointed and appointed by the Holy One? by spirit, to preach good news to the poor, liberty to the captive, sight to the blind? What if we take seriously being the body of Christ, mm. that we are actually the hands and the feet and the heartbeat of a living God? What if we are word made flesh? We are word made flesh, love made flesh, light made flesh. So that to me is what we're talking about. We're talking about Christ, love made flesh, that we are all the incarnation. And so in Frozen 2, where mm. I saw this, can all be summed up in a quote at the very beginning by Elsa. So Queen Elsa is at the very beginning of the movie. She starts to hear this voice. And it's your first time in the movie where you kind of go, okay, what's going on? What's the plot going to be? She starts hearing this voice out there that's kind of sing calling to her. And she tells Anna about it, or Anna finds out about it. She says, Anna, I know it sounds crazy, but I believe the voice that is calling me is good. And to me, that is where I see this idea of us all being love made flesh. Um, it's this dance we have in life of hearing something out there and thinking that that's God and being on this journey. And not to jump all the way to the end of the movie, because um, we'll get into this more, but Elsa realizes that that voice calling from out is actually in. And that's, that's the Christ journey for me mm. of looking for God out. And then your full circle journey of looking for God in. And then especially that, like, I know it sounds crazy, but I believe it's good. And it's like the Christ to me is even though like all evidence might point to the contrary, our inherent being is good, is good. I love that. That's where I saw that in Frozen 2. I love that. Uh, thanks for sharing. My, so for me, where I saw Christ in uh, Frozen 2, uh, when I thought about that, that question and watching it, you know, I immediately started thinking about the, the Christ pattern of life, death, resurrection, this sort of cycle mm -hmm. of birth, death, rebirth. And at, at the very beginning, the opening, or not the opening, but the I think it's the first song of the movie, uh, the song All Is Found about the river out to Holland. It ends with the lyric, 
when all is lost, then all is found. <laughs> when all is lost, oh, I tried to sing it. Then all is found. I don't know if that's the right tune. <laughs> Sorry. Much apologies. I don't know. You know me. I never know <clears throat> and, what the right tune and, is. And, uh, and of course, then you fast forward in the movie and you see that happen as uh, uh, as Queen Nelson descends further and further into the heart of Atahalan, eventually descending all the way into death, really. Uh, and once she's in the, the the deepest depth of that part, that's when she uh, learns the truth, the truth about how her ancestors tricked the Northuldran people. And so I was thinking about that as the Christ pattern that, you know, uh, sometimes we we hold on so much to what we've always known. Or we hold on so tightly to what we've always been told is true. We hold on so tightly, afraid to, to let it go, <laughs> afraid to let go of it. And we want the second part of that lyric. We want the all is found part. So the lyric to remind you is when all is lost, then all is found. We want the all is found part without having to endure the first half, the losing, the all is lost part. And so for me, I saw Christ in that pattern of sort of that willingness to lose everything, to descend all the way in so that you can find life, so that you can find life. Uh, Jesus said, I assure you that unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, and it can only be a single seed, it's just the single seed. But if it dies, then it bears much fruit. And he said, those who love their lives, those who try to hold on to them will lose them. But those who hate their lives, which is pretty strong language, but those who are willing to descend all the way into the, to consider their own life of no consequence to the point where they're willing to descend all the way in, then they will find their life and keep it forever. So that was how I saw the Christ pattern. I love that, obviously. I love that death life garden metaphor cycle. Okay, stuff. That's awesome. We didn't talk about any of this ahead of time. So we each just had our own thoughts and we're just in real time sharing them. So I love hearing what. Yeah. your different experience of seeing it was and that we both had what is very much those definitions, but different ways of yeah. seeing it. That's cool. Speaking of what we think, would you like all along, we want you to participate in this. Please. So I know that these are just partially live, but, but there's going to be people that are here. We're all engaged. We're still sort of watching it live. So where did you find Christ in this movie? Um, we'd love to hear from, from you as well and feel free to interact with each other. All right. Should we move on to question two? Yeah. So question two, um, let's do the, I kind of did the Richard Rohr splitting apart the Jesus and the Christ. They are separate things and the same, of course, because part of Christ is that everything is the same, everything. But um, then there's the person of Jesus. And at Sojourn, we still like to talk about Jesus because we still believe that there's good in our old tradition and even that it's important to um, subvert what was hijacked in evangelical Christianity. So we still love and look to Jesus. And so when I say finding Jesus in these movies, all I'm talking about is this um, justice lens, this speaking truth to power, flipping tables, um, speaking as the marginalized and for the marginalized. Where I saw that so clearly play out in Frozen 2 was that Elsa and Anna are forced to, actually not forced to, they have to make a choice, but the story forces them to at least look at, and then they have to make choices to face their ignorant complicity in an unjust system. They must face the truth of their past. They must learn that their grandfather was the unjust empire mm -hmm. who upheld supremacy and betrayed friendship and the other in the name of supremacy. Mm -hmm. um, at one point, Anna says Arendelle, which is their kingdom that they've lived in and ruled over and benefited from and, and find all of their identity in 
Arendelle, their kingdom, she says, will never be healed until we make this right. And the this being the evils of their own families past, their ancestors handed them a legacy of injustice and they have to face that, um, which just feels so relevant to our lives today. Um, and then they must, the way they must do that is they must destroy this dam. So for them, it's like this physical piece of property that they must destroy. And the dam has their whole lives protected them, given them power and been much benefit to them. And they must destroy that which benefited them for the sake of all. So that's where I saw that story play out in Frozen 2. That's brilliant. Question two, Kate. I'm really curious. Um, again, we didn't talk about this beforehand with each other. So let's talk about what Enneagram numbers we think the main characters are. Pun. Maybe we should have established who the main characters are. <laughs> but I, I think they're. Well, it doesn't matter. Four, you can share whatever. whatever you want to share about whatever characters you, you want to share about. Okay. And we will pause between each one to see what your guesses are as well. Not that there's the right answers. I guess pausing doesn't really matter. <laughs> but uh, let's start with, uh, let's just start with uh, the sisters. Elsa you, and Anna. Elsa and Anna. Elsa and Anna. What yep. do you think? Uh, oh, you want me to share? Um, what do you think Anna is? Anna for me is a very clear seven. Seven. Okay. That's what I had to. <laughs> cool. She is just classic. Like, I mean, you literally explicitly hear her say like, Things like looking for the silver lining or like um, she will flip a script of something really tragic or scary or dark that's happening. And she will like speak over it. This positivity lens um, is just such a seven way. She's always looking for the bright side. She'll even say that and the next adventure. So she's not like sometimes people misunderstand sevens that they're just always about avoiding, but they're they're not. They're actually the exact opposite. They're seeking everything. Mm. Like their whole thing is they don't want to miss out. So they are jumping in, but they're jumping in with this. It's all good. Yeah, that's good. I love <laughs> energy. That. I love that. Um, yeah. Yeah. She strikes me as massive seven energy. You do. Yeah. You thought that too. Oh, just so yeah. much. Like uh, just a sense of, um, um, I'm going to talk about it here in a, in a further question, but the, the song with Olaf about, uh, you know, some things, uh, some things never change. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Just the sense that where, where Olaf's like, don't you ever worry about how life is just fading away? And she's like, no. <laughs> like, why would worry. I think about that sort yes. of stuff? Um, Olaf so. is saying, don't you ever worry about, and then he like names okay, so every deep Olaf, dark. What number do you think Olaf is? If I had to give Olaf, which is funny, right? An animated snowman. But if I had to give Olaf an Enneagram number, oh my God, I have so many thoughts about this, but I would, I would actually say he's a four. Yeah. And I have to I say with that, that, you would agree? Yeah, that's what I would yeah. type him as. Because Olaf's whole thing is like this constant questioning of what is the meaning of life? This existential yeah. crisis. Yeah. But Olaf is also that goofy, fun, silly light. And that's what I loved about watching that play out. Because mm. I think there's another four in Frozen 2. Another oh, character who's a four. And so seeing two characters that I believe have very four energy, but they play out differently is what people misunderstand about the Enneagram all the time. You get a bunch of Enneagram fours in a room and they're all going to be very different humans. Yeah. You get a bunch of sevens in the room. They're all going to be very different humans. Um, so I loved seeing that Olaf is like existential crisis. Who am yeah. I? What is life yeah. in that four? Not bothered land. by the darkness at all. Not in like the, uh, 
not afraid way of uh, 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 Anna. Mm-hmm. Guys, I have struggles sometimes with remembering which one's Elsa, which one's Anna. Uh, but in the just, it's normal for it's just normal for Olaf to talk about the darkness and the deep. You know? Yeah, which is just such a four thing. So then, what about Kristoff? I th- I would type Kristoff as a two, someone who is very much driven by and excited to help meet the needs of others. Like he just loves to be needed. He loves to help. He lo- he just has that in his, so that I, I type him as a two. What about you? I didn't type him, but I can totally see that. I completely agree. And not just helping because totally twos are helpers, but I'm all about the like not pegging numbers. Yeah. Going past the This a little bit deeper. Yeah. Two's main drive is is relationship. They're just all about relationship. Oh, good. And that's yeah, yeah. that's totally Kristoff. Yeah. yeah. So the other four, I think, in Frozen 2 is Elsa. Um, so when I first started thinking about the Enneagram in Frozen um, characters, I thought she's either a one or a four. And you could still go either way with it. And people would probably right off the bat be like, fours and ones, what? they're so different. How could you think she could be either one? But actually fours and ones are so related, so similar. Um, not only in that they ha- they have each other's health um, patterns, right? Growth and health. I go to, I'm a four myself and I go to one in health and then ones go to four um, in health. And so they're related in that, but then... Um, Beyond that, the four and the one, more than any other Enneagram types, have the worst inner critics. And that is Elsa's whole journey, is her inner critic. The fours and the ones Mm. have the worst inner critic. That inner voice that is just tormenting, that they live, both those numbers, ask any four, ask any one. They live in constant torment around who am I and am I good? Um, And it looks differently for the four and the one, but the the inner critic is just hardcore. The reason I go four with Elsa is because of that first, um, into the unknown Mm -hmm. song. You see this twisted, dark delight (laughs) smile on her face as she's going into like this existential darkness. Um, she's just comfortable there. So anyway, I struggled to type Elsa. You did. I did. I, 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 I probably would have landed on a nine. Uh, she, I just, I see in her this desire to not have the people in her life suffer, to not have like that sort of trying to hold all the things together so that people don't experience suffering. Hmm. Uh, but then when you said one, I'm like, ah, I guess I, f- I can, I can be more talked into one with her, but I, I felt like she was not as clear, definitely not as clear to me as Anna Olaf and Kristoff. What do y'all think? Curious, very curious. Um, Next question. Yep. All right. Question number three, Kate, uh, I'm going to throw this to you. Would you tell, uh, share with us how you saw yourself or how you saw your own story kind of reflected back or played out in frozen dose? Yeah. So when the first Frozen movie came out, I was just absolutely wrecked by it. And it's just because, and then same with Frozen 2, it's just the same thing played out the second movie of just, um, it's just all about Elsa for me, Queen Elsa. Her whole thing is this fear of her own power, this raging, all-consuming fear of her own power, Mm. um, terrified that she is going to harm the people that she loves, 
wrecked by regret from the way that she has indeed harmed people that she loves with her power. Um, that is just you can relate. That yeah, <laughs> yes. It just feels like I just want to hug Elsa. That's how I feel. Yeah, for me, it feels like the story of a strong woman, powerful, a more dominant personality, just that got that twisted, dark leadership, loud, assertive quality and is born into a world that can't hold that. That can't hold space for that. It's terrified of it. And then she internalizes, which is a four thing introspection. She internalizes that message and, lives it the message out there in the world that we can't hold your power she internalizes it and lives it that could be me totally just projecting and reading my own story into elsa i don't know if she's actually like that that's what i see i, th- <laughs> I think that's part of the uh I that's think that's, right. that's, yeah. that's allowed that's yep. that's, that's, the, that's meaning the, in, yeah, the meaning in the no one can argue with it yeah. yeah um what are you able to to share or access what helped you kind of unlock some of that um or 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 maybe not unlock but uh find integration with that find a comfort with that find an acceptance with that well i haven't yet that's an ongoing story um i think it all it all matches elsa's story which i think we'll get to when we talk about the truth about transformation and growth so i'll share that then okay but the truth is I just haven't yet. I'm still not comfortable yeah. in my skin in that way at all. So, uh, okay. to be honest, so here's, TBH. Here's how I'll start my response to that question. I'll start with a hot take. Ready for this hot take? Probably not. Um, is Kristoff in a codependent relationship with Anna? Is he a classic codependent? <laughs> As he sings, who am I if I'm not your guy? Where am I if we're not together forever? Maybe. I don't know. I'll let you guys decide if you think he needs to go to Codependent Anonymous. Um, But I remember, okay, so here's where I saw myself reflected in the story. I remember a number of years ago when you and I were really sort of beginning to dig up um, for, in many ways, the first time, dig up some of the the old patterns and stories of our life and sort of the, the history uh, that we hadn't really engaged with much. And you yourself were doing a lot of like personal work, discovering mm. so much about yourself, discovering and really accessing yourself apart from me, apart from the we. Yep. And it was terrifying to me. Yep. I, I almost said, do you remember this? But clearly she remembers this. It was terrifying for me. I, I was, I remember being totally freaked out that you were experiencing all this amazing life uh, outside of our dynamic. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was just this, this sense of, uh, it just felt really vulnerable and threatening to me. So when I hear a song like lost in the woods, when I hear it now in my life, for me, I hear it and it's like, yeah, you know what? There's a, a version of that. There's a variation of that song, of that story, of that narrative that I think is really unhealthy. That's sort of overly dependent upon like, who am I, uh, without you, or I need you in my life for every day. Like there's a version of that, that I think is unhealthy. But then I think they're on the other side of that. So like on the other side of doing that differentiation work, that, 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 that sort of separation, that D enmeshment, is that a word of uh, finding who you are and who I am? Like then, then you have the same words 
like, uh, I think at the end of the song, he says, now I know you're my true North and I'm lost when you're not there. Like now I think there's a version of that. That's really beautiful where you recognize that another person is, um, is the, is the person for you. And this is, you know, in so many ways, the, one of the big roles you play in my life, you're the person that really is my true North. Like you help me know myself better. Mm-hmm. Um, you reflect back to me who I am. Uh, you help me sort of get out of my head and into my feeling space. Like I really am in some ways lost without you, but I think that that maybe is a, is a, a better version now than it would have been seven, eight years ago. Uh, where again, it's the same words, it's the same song, but it has this sort yeah, of this different. Yeah, that's this a paradoxical idea, right? That I can't live without you. You're my true north. There's really unhealthy version and a healthy version. I love that. We've talked about that a lot. That whole needing yeah. is needing people inherently bad, yeah, yeah, or is it just paradoxical? I think we've landed on paradoxical. Yeah. <laughs> cool. What's the next question? Question number four, Kate, as you watched Frozen 2, what truths about transformation, about growth, what what truths about transformation did you notice? What what stood out to you? Hmm. Well, back at Elsa, just because I do see myself in her so much. So you were asking me earlier when I was talking about her fear of her power and her personality and all of that. Um, So... Elsa's whole transformation is about having this fear of herself, this fear of her inherent power and fear of doing harm to others. And in the end, she's able to say to herself, you are the answer I've been waiting for all my life. The you being herself. So she's her own answer that she's been waiting for her whole life. Um, And for me, that's a universal spiritual truth in growth and transformation in personal growth and transformation is that we are always our own answer. Nobody else is ever going to do the work for you. No one else is ever going to be your hero. No one else is ever going to be your answer. Um, and no one else's story is going to perfectly fit you. Um, Oh my God, we're getting this going crazy. Yeah, you hear I might that? go get him Our here in a second. Is trapped in a bedroom. I'll go get him and show you. Otherwise, he would be dancing everywhere. Yeah. And While you answer this, I'm going to grab him. Really now quick he's show. like, "Get me out of here!" But anyway, and then in that, um, in that being your own answer is also that um, your shadow side and your strength are just always the same exact thing. It's just two sides to the same coin. So, yeah. Elsa's power does have the ability to harm people she loves. And yes, she does have in her story hurting her sister with her power. Absolutely. And she has to not do that dualistic thing where you're like, oh, so that part of me is bad. And true health and growth is to walk away from that part of me. That's not the answer Mm. to, to growth and transformation. The answer is in the problem. It's the both andness of your power, um, your shadow is not a bad thing. It's just a shadow. And I don't know. I'm rambling because my cat is distracting me. <laughs> Pause. Oh, no. You no, you just share going. your, where do you okay. see transformation? Well, I'm in go- <laughs> this is fun. I'm, uh, I'm going to go back to a point that Kate made in the, uh, in one of the earlier questions. And, and. <laughs> we kicked the light. Now we have to fix it. Gilbert, say hi, everybody. He was whining because we were trying to keep him out of this because he's crazy and he will 
Welcome to Sojo Guild. Just don't go on the couch because then you're going to bump the entire camera tripod. It's going to I'm going to take him up to the kids. Okay. Hi, everyone. <laughs> We're just finding lots of reasons for you have to do more editing work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Light's good. Cat's good. <clears throat> and actually, I'm going to go back to a point you made earlier uh, when I talk about transformation. The thought that came up for me is that sometimes that real change, real growth cannot actually be attained unless previous wrongs are put to rights. I think sometimes real change can't be attained until previous wrongs are put to rights. Now, this isn't always possible. Sometimes, uh, yes, we, we have to find a way to grow and transform without ever receiving any sort of putting the wrongs to right. So sometimes that's just not possible. But sometimes it is possible. Sometimes it's arguably necessary in order to have the transformation and growth. You have to be able to turn around in, in sort of history and whether this is your own individual or like you said earlier, uh, collectively as a, as a larger group of people or country, what wrongs have not been put to right? Um, because there, there might be a type of transformation and growth that can never be fully ascertained until that has been accomplished. And I, I have the same quote that you did. Uh, um, Anna says to Matthias, Arendelle has no future. Anna, Anna says to Matthias, uh, Arendelle has no future until we make this right. Arendelle, you have, there's no future if we have to make this right. Um, and I was reminded when I was thinking about this, about the teaching from Jesus, where he said, if you go to the altar to present an offering to God, but then, quote, remember that your brother or sister has something against you. I thought, that, I thought that's a really interesting way to phrase that. Not remember that you did wrong to somebody. But remember that your brother or sister or sibling has something against you. Leave your gift at the altar. Stop right there. Don't present your offering. And go, Jesus says, first make things right with them. And then come back and offer your gift. Almost as if to say, if you want to have any sort of path of connection to the divine, it goes through the process of making things right with people that you have wronged. You have to do that piece first. Um, so for me, there's a real cost to transformation. There's a real cost to growth. And sometimes that cost is to go back in time and make amends for damage you've caused. Now, that's what stood out to me about transformation and growth. But can I share a sort of counter or at least another piece of this perspective? That was rhetorical. You're looking at me like, <laughs> like what? I just wanted you to be like, yeah, share. Um, so this comes from you wanted uh, affirmation. Uh, this no, I just wanted interaction. Uh, oh, and always affirmation. So one sorry, of my, I just gave you confusion. One, <laughs> one of my friends uh, who is active in the BIPOC work and whose intuitions and insights they often challenge me when I when I read what she has to say in her insights. I remember back when Frozen 2 came out, I remember seeing one of her reflections on it because she'd finally seen it. And she criticized the movie for, she said, for the movie walking right up to the line of being brave, but ultimately capitulating to the status quo. And then she said, portraying a narrative where indigenous people are completely screwed over, but then you still get to be the hero at the end for being willing to give up something while not actually having to. She said, that's a white fantasy, which is to say that Arendelle ultimately didn't pay any price. There was no cost mm -hmm. that they were given. They, they were saved in the end. Uh, and so for her, it was just- And still held all the power. 
Here, Anna, you be queen. Yeah, for her, this it was like, wait, so what? What really did they get? What cost was was given? Um, so I, I read that and I'm like, oh no, I that feels that feels real to me. I don't, and I don't know. I think there's, I think it all belongs somehow. It all belongs because my mind then goes to the ancient story of Abraham who was told by the divine to sacrifice his son and he's ready to sacrifice. He's ready to give up everything. And at the last minute, the divine says, no, like don't actually do it. And part of that story is to, to the ancient Jews to show look, look, gods don't want us to sacrifice humans, people. Um, but there's a sense in which like, is it, is it just a willingness to give it all or, or do you actually have to give it all? Does there actually have to be a cost paid? So I don't know. There's, there's, um, I can see how both of those, uh, feel true to me. They both feel true to me, which is that, yes, obviously Anna was ready to, to, to sacrifice. Um, and, and in her mind did pay that sacrifice to, to try and right the wrongs done. Um, it's just that in the end, they didn't actually have to pay anything. So I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? It all belongs. <laughs> Yeah, that all makes a ton of sense. I see it. I, in fact, when I shared earlier about the justice piece with Anna and Elsa needing to destroy the dam, that I just didn't want to share too long myself, but that was one of my thoughts was, but then Anna's still queen and Arendelle was actually saved and a lot of weird white savior stuff in there mm-hmm. and just kept spinning out into all the ways you could go with that. So I agree. Yep. Lot there. Um, question five: What unhealthy and unhelpful stereotypes and narratives were exposed or perpetuated? Let me go first. Sure. All right. So I loved in the first film how they expose this narrative of of being saved by true love's kiss and how it wasn't. The, the guy saving um, Anna, but it was this, the love of the sister. So I, I loved that. Uh, and, then, and then for this film, one of my favorite lines was when, uh, towards the end, when Kristoff came charging in on top of Sven and scooped up Anna, who was being chased by the rock giants. And he said to her, don't worry, I'm here. Everything is going to be all right now. That's not what he said. <laughs> that's that's the narrative that we are sort of expecting is that the guy sort of swoops in and saves everything and everybody then feels good. But it's not what he said. He said, I'm here. What do you need? What do you need? And I loved it. It upended that whole narrative of boy saves girl and instead has boys showing up to support girl just saying, what do you need? How can I, how can I help you uh, accomplish what you are trying to do in this moment? So I loved that. I thought that was a great reversal of that that old narrative yeah which i feel like is obviously imperfectly as we've named and um not all there but i feel like a lot of what frozen franchise has done is take all of those unhealthy and helpful narratives and expose them and flipped them and addressed them intentionally and explicitly the i want to point to an area where they did not do that have not done that and should so that so this is the perpetuating the unhealthy which is in women's bodies i cannot freaking stand any more of this toothpick waste animated women's bodies just driving me insane <laughs> there's no waste <laughs> so annoying so annoying like why 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 
Anything, just anything different. Oh my god. I don't even have words for it. It's so distracting for me as a woman mm-hmm. watching. Like, yay, female protagonist. Yay, female saving the day in their dress and high heels and stick straight, tiny little body. Drives me nuts. Come on, Disney. All right, last question. the easiest one at the end uh how how did this movie illuminate the meaning of life so this goes back to last week uh we talked about the the big cosmic meaning the sort of meaning of things so kate for you what what was a piece of the meaning of life that was brought to the surface or illuminated by frozen two Sure. I mean, I feel like anytime we talk about meaning of life, everything instantly gets very cliche and, um, yeah, just cliche, but nonetheless, cliche is cliche for a reason. Um, I just feel like the meaning of life is love and that watching that play out in a way where we realize that love is not easy. Love is not, um, frou-frou and like, happy rainbows, cotton candy, yay. Um, the love is painful and, um, work and hard and it's, it's the work of transformation and growth. Um, and I felt like that was best illuminated by Kristoff's line. Um, when Anna apologizes to him, um, and he says, no, it's all good. My love is not fragile. Um, that for me, yeah, it's a really good line. And I feel like it, did a lot of things and one of them was illuminate that meaning of lifeness of that love is everything and it is not fragile um and i could give a whole sermon about the difference between sensitivity and fragility mm. and for me christoph is a perfect um well actually an imperfect um character that illuminates for us a very sensitive human being naming him as an enneagram too is very helpful relational all about love and relationship, very sensitive, sees things 20,000 layers deep as our sweet twos do. That's sensitivity. And then he's like, oh, but it's not fragile. Like I'm here, minute. Uh, (laughs) Our other cat Cat. is going to ruin this whole thing. Bigger down. scarier to grab. (laughs) She will eat us. Okay. I love that. Um, Was that it? That's it. Okay, okay. That's Uh, it. For me, it was very simple. On the meaning of life was maybe less meaning of life and more like, reality in life which is this idea of impermanence which is a beautiful theme that shows up in this movie the idea that everything is passing away that everything changes and evolves that nothing lasts and i referenced it earlier but olaf was trying to reflect on this as fours are wants to do and asked anna if she's ever bothered by it and she said no uh not really because i have the people in my life who am i love and she listed off a few people that she loves she's like i'm all good Little did she know that just 60 minutes later, the uh, you know, two of them would be gone slash or, or, or dead. Uh, she'd lose her sister and her snowman. Uh, and then she'd be entirely separated from Kristoff. And for me, this is just the way that this film deals with impermanence, the reality of it. And then, and then maybe how we engage with it, how we respond to it. Um, I loved the the song. Some things never change. I loved the the irony of the moment when 
when Anna's listing off, you know, things that are going to stick around forever. And Olaf's hopping along a stone wall, right as Anna sings, like an old stone wall that will never fall. Some things are always true. And right as she says that, at the exact moment, Olaf lands on a stone that then crumbles off the wall. As if to say, uh, like, you, you think these things will last forever, but they don't. They won't. They can't. Uh, so that was a great editing moment. I love that. Um, and later on in the song, they sing, we'll always live in the kingdom of plenty. Uh, that stands for the good of the many. I promise you the flag of Arendelle will always fly. And of course, when you watch this on a repeat viewing, you know that, that none of that is true. Like they're about to enter a moment where they're not going to be the kingdom of plenty. You enter a moment where they have to like reckon with the fact that they haven't stood for the good of the many historically. And the flag won't always fly. So I love all these foreshadowing uh, of, of how the movie just sort of presents this. Look, these things will always be here, followed by no, they won't always be here. And this is what life is, this, this painful, or it can be painful, reality of impermanence. And so for me, the meaning, the, the way to respond to this is just to cherish the moment, to cherish what you do have, to be grateful for what there is, because it could honestly just disappear at any moment. It could be taken away. Nothing is guaranteed uh, to last. And so that, that really shone for me in watching this, um, this idea of impermanence and then sort of how we engage and reflect with it. Love it. So that's it. That's our six questions. That's our first attempt at doing a meaning in movies series. Thank you for uh, tuning in as we sort of experiment with this pre-record editing the, all the pieces together and playing it later. Um, Hopefully you're interacting in the comments yeah, and we'll see you there in the future. So for next week, uh, we're doing the movie Onward, the, the Disney Pixar movie Onward. Put it in O for Onward. Uh, so hopefully you will watch that if you haven't or rewatch it if you have the chance. Uh, fantastic movie. And we'll be back here in seven days to discuss the meaning and A large portion of Sojourn's financial support comes from listeners like you, people who hear messages like this one and want to express their gratitude for our ministry, or who are simply thrilled to know that a church like Sojourn exists. Or maybe you can't attend services on Sunday mornings, yet you still consider Sojourn Grace Collective your spiritual community. If that's you, and you'd like to partner with us in this work, please visit sojourngrace.com partner where you can make a one-time donation or sign up to be a monthly supporter. Also, don't forget that we stream our services live every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific on both our Facebook and YouTube pages. And if you missed it live, you can always re-watch the video playback later or subscribe to this or Sojourn podcast. It was an honor to have you with us today. As you go about your week, may you take with you the words we say at the end of all of our gatherings. Be brave because you're a child of God, and be kind because so is everyone else.